welcome everyone. Welcome back to an all new episode of the Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast, the show that takes a deep dive into the world of 80s cartoons and all of the glorious insanity therein. My name is Randy, I am your host on this journey, and this week I am alone doing a solo episode this week. So, as we usually do on these weeks that I'm alone, we do a top five episode. And before we get into today's topic, just let you need you know that uh, Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast is a production of Geek World Order. Go to geekworldorder.com for all the latest and greatest geeky goodness. And of course, we are on social media. We're on Facebook. Look up Geek World Order and Totally Radical Cartoon Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, both at Geek World Order. Of course, we are also on all of your major podcast provider outlets. We are on iTunes. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, yeah, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio. If there is a place you can get your podcasts and leave a review, leave a comment, uh, hit the heart button, the thumbs up, however you can support us, uh, share the episodes every week on social media, just you know, help this podcast grow and uh, we really appreciate it. Alright, so we're going to get into a bit of an interesting topic here because y'all know I love G.I. Joe. But I'm going to do a little bit of an interesting twist on the list here this week. I'm not doing a top five. I'm doing a worst five. Because I'm going to talk about the top five Joes that I am not particularly a fan of today. So let's jump right into it. And in the number five spot is Lieutenant Falcon. This guy is a grade A jackass. He's a Green Beret. All right, we get it. This guy has gone through some intense training. He's supposed to be the elite of the elite when it comes to the U.S. Army. But this guy is a piece of garbage uh i mean even in the movie he's shown as a womanizer uh somewhat misogynistic a complete lack of respect for authority um obviously you see how he interacts with duke how he doesn't want to take orders how he just kind of you know trying to do his own thing which I don't understand how someone with his level of incompetence when it comes to rank and structure even made it through the training or even got considered for the training, really. And man, oh man. I mean, he's a little low on this list because he does have some redeeming, you know, the movie itself really does redeem him in terms of story arc, and how he goes through these events and he sees Duke die. Yes, die. I mean, we we all know about the whole coma thing and how that wasn't how it went supposed to go down. Because that's really what was supposed to motivate him into turning his life around, becoming a better Joe, becoming a model soldier. It was seeing his half-brother die. In this heroic, sacrificial act. 
and that's what's supposed to turn them around. Now, unfortunately, they kind of go completely backwards and do a 180 on that. Now, I don't talk about the, the 90s Deke series a lot because 90s are a little bit beyond the scope of the show, but unfortunately, Falcon got a double disservice, man. He got done dirty. Um, So basically, after all of this, and getting his life turned around, he gets hooked on drugs, of all things. Because um, he wants to be, you know, better and faster and do all the things that a good soldier is supposed to do. But in this episode, The Greatest Evil, he gets hooked on drugs, man. He gets hooked on a substance called Spark. And, you know, he, we get introduced to the headman and... It's a crazy episode that actually involves G.I. Joe and Cobra working together. So it's a great end of the Deke series. It's actually one of the best episodes. But Falcon really gets... He gets double dinged, man. Just for the fact that... I don't know. Oh, poor Falcon. And... It's not that I hate the character of Falcon... I think why I don't like them so much is because of what they do with him in in the few uses they have of him. You know, his main stories are G.I. Joe the movie where, I mean, he's so derelict in his duties that he gets court-martialed and has to be sent to special training from Sergeant Slaughter. So that's like almost beyond a court-martial there. And then the Deke series where he gets hooked on drugs. See, I know Falcon is not having a good time, folks. And unfortunately, there's some wonky writing. Like, I get what they're wanting to do with him. Have these redemption stories. But honestly, it just makes him look like an idiot. Uh, see, I come to number five. That is Falcon. So, number four on the list is General Hawk. And I don't know, there's just different things about the entire G.I. Joe leadership team that I'm not fans of. I think Hawk is the most... Uh, how do I want to say this? I guess he's the most bearable. I don't know if it's just, for some reason, the higher up in the command structure... I don't know, I just find them boring, uninspiring. I don't know, for whatever reason, I just could not get into General Hawk as a character. Just never able to. I don't know, for me, the leadership of the G.I. Joe team seemed to be the most uninspiring of any 80s cartoon I've ever seen. Hawk is introduced as the G.I. Joe field commander in season two. Basically, he's the highest ranking Joe, reports directly to the military. Whereas in the first season, it was Duke who would uh, report to General Flag and the various command structure from there. But there was an added layer in season two, bringing in General Hawk. 
And honestly, it didn't do anything. I never really saw him as an inspiration or as uh, much of a leader. I mean, he was just kind of there. Like He was good. But I don't know. Just this dude. No. And I, for some reason, there's so many big, bold characters in the 80s. You've got really great, effective leaders. You've got. Optimus Prime, who is one of my standard bearers for a leader in 80s cartoon. You've got someone like Marshall Bravestar, who is just an effective lawman, really has an air of just confidence and leadership ability. But I watch General Hawk and I'm just like, meh. Maybe that's why I don't like this guy. There's just a, some sort of meh to him. And um, there are other members of the G.I. Joe leadership team that I hate for other reasons. And we'll definitely get into those later in this episode. But I think Hawk is more of a letdown for me. You know, you got this guy that comes in, he's supposed to be Duke's commander. And, um, yeah, I'll get more into Duke a little bit later. Spoilers. But, you know, Hawk, that's sort of the thing. This dude just comes off as bland. And let's face it, when you've got personalities like Roadblock and Shipwreck all these other Joes that just exude charisma and personality, machismo. Hawk is just a kind of by-the-books guy, sort of a paint-by-number of an 80s cartoon character. Even then, he just... It just doesn't stand out. And he doesn't stand out in a bad way. It's just, he's there, he leads the team... But there are so many other Joes I'd rather watch. Honestly, like even Sergeant Slaughter, they mention him as a part of the leadership structure at times. And Sarge just has more of a presence of him, a personality. I know they're basing him on a wrestler, but Hawk has nothing. He just really just seems like a military guy in charge. There's nothing special about him, nothing unique. He's just there i think that's why i just have so much of an issue with this guy he's bland he's generic and that's why he comes in at the number four spot uh so that's the first part of our list folks uh we'll take a quick commercial break here and we will be back with the next part of the episode here they are the lovely choices fancy ponies i'm dancing butterfly i'm sweet tooth and i'm up up and away Twice as fancy, It's an alien. No kidding. Where? It's living in America. I like what they've done with the place. It loves cats. Can't get enough of them. It's Alf. 
And now it's everywhere. He's debonair, and yet fuzzy. My parents just don't understand our relationship. I mean, this whole cat thing's been blown all out of proportion. Alf. Alf, alien life form new from Coleco. It's circus fun right in your bowl, and you're gonna wanna come flying. For horses and hoops, balls and bears, elephants and lions. Horses, hoops, balls, bears, elephants and lions. New circus fun cereal, crunchy red hoops, speckled balls, and many marshmallow animals. Circus fun, a spectacular part of this complete breakfast. Yeah, you fixed your own breakfast. <laughs> And we've got an ache to skate, but first... The kiss of golden honey makes you smile and want to say Tastes like honey, graham crackers, crispy, crunchy all the way Oh, yeah! It's gonna be a golden graham's day Tastes like crisp honey graham crackers It's a golden part of this nutritious breakfast Now we're rolling It's gonna be a golden graham's day Know what? She and Mommy went shopping for Hysteria. She said she got the runaround. Everybody knows Federated has the best prices. Nobody has better prices than Federated on name brands like Fisher, JVC, NEC, and more. In fact, if you can find it advertised for less, within 30 days of purchase, we'll refund the difference plus 10% of the difference. Mommy says Federated saves you this many money. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> Federated's 110%. Low price guarantee means money in the bank for you. You find it all at Federated. All right, and we are back. And so we're continuing to count down the top five G.I. Joe's that I am not particularly a fan of. And of course, we've talked about uh, Hawk and Falcon. Although, interesting little tidbit in the original kind of development of the Falcon character, he was originally supposed to be like a son or stepson to Hawk, Hence the connection with the names Hawk and Falcon. And then they kind of changed course and went with the storyline with Duke. So, thought I'd just mention that. Just a little bit of uh, G.I. Joe the movie trivia. So, let's continue on here. Coming at the number three spot. Lifeline. Oh, boy. Lifeline. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before. But this guy is a royal pain in the neck because this guy gets in the way. Like, he is actively bad. Because, uh, you know, Lifeline is a pacifist, so he doesn't believe in violence. You know, he's a medic, that's fine. And that's cool. But, dude, his... Just abject rejection of violence gets in the way. Um, I think back to his initial introduction in Arise, Serpentor, Arise. Like, he literally won't hand lift ticket a wrench because it'll be used to work on a chopper that has guns attached to it that could be used, that could potentially be used for violence. Yet, he also utilizes these same helicopters in the series to execute rescue missions. So, 
a pacifist to his extreme. Oh, man. Like, even in the Arise Serpento Arise episode, uh, the rescue mission in the later parts to get Sergeant Slaughter, they use Lifeline as a decoy and literally send him up to ask the Cobra Vipers if they could use their phone. And then they ambush him. And they're like, and he's like, well, why didn't you tell me you were going to use me for violence <laughs> as a distraction for violence? And Beachhead was just literally to the point that because if I asked you, you would have said no. And well, they needed a way to get into the Cobra base. But dude, like I can understand someone being a pacifist, abhorring violence, you know, protect and serve. You know, being a medic is a great choice for Lifeline, but his, kind of the way they wrote his character was just terrible. Uh, there's a great example of his use in the comics where there's a team on a mission and he ends up fighting these thugs from another country and he disperses them by using a method of martial arts that basically reflects an attacker, you know, not inflicting any damage upon the opponent. It's a very well-written story and a very fun use of the character and a better use of the character. I mean, even in the first season, you know, Doc, Doc would get full on in a mission if he needed to, you know, he'd pull a gun when needed because Doc knew that there were sometimes situations where you're going to have to pick up a gun and you're going to have to defend someone. You're going to have to defend your patients. Uh, I mean, there are so many examples of this. Like, I remember from Deep Space Nine in the Dominion War, any time that, you know, someone would attack the space station, uh, the Klingon attacks in season four, Dr. Bashir knew how to pick up a phaser. Obviously, his main duty was to sickbay, but if his patients were in trouble or he needed to keep, you know, people out of the infirmary and protect the patients, that man would pick up a gun, he'd pick up a phaser, and he'd shoot it. I mean, he wouldn't, obviously, he wouldn't be using a lethal setting. I mean, unless it was against someone like the Jem'Hadar or an absolute necessary situation, he would try to incapacitate and protect his patients. It's just, that's my problem with Lifeline. He's in the military. And there are going to be situations where you're going to have to defend troops. You're going to have to defend people who are weak and injured. And it just doesn't make sense that Lifeline wouldn't do that. That's my problem. And just unfortunately how they wrote Lifeline how they execute a lifeline, especially compared to how he is in the comics. It's a complete letdown. And it just boggles my mind every time. All right, so let's move on to the number two spot. And in my number two spot of Joe's that I am not particularly a fan of, well, we got to talk about Flint. Flint. A very educated man, uh, according to his file card, he is a Rhodes Scholar, has very 
good education, good background. He's a warrant officer. But man, is this guy a dick. Oh, dude. He's just... He's sort of that manager that nobody likes. He's got this weird attitude. He knows he has abilities. But, I don't know. Just really comes off as a douche. He's also a very jealous individual. Uh, Anytime you watch the show and you see him... Especially with when he interacts with Lady J, or I should say, when people, tr- when other men try to interact with Lady J, this dude is jealous to a fault. Oh, there was the one episode. Oh, and I'm really trying to remember the name. I think it was called "The Spy Who Rooked Me" or something like that. Uh, you know, they're working with this British super spy. And this guy gets a little chummy with Lady J. And Flint gets very, very jealous. Like, honestly, he gets so jealous to the point it almost, like, like, it almost hinders their mission. That's how awful this guy comes out as. And so, yeah. And that's not something you can have on a battlefield, man. If you're in the middle of a mission, and I'm surprised Flint and Lady J got put together on as many missions as they did, actually, because, yeah, I don't know how that worked out. Because there are definitely consequences to people being in relationships and being in missions with each other. Probably one example I can think of is there's an episode of Deep Space Nine where Dax and Worf are sent to get basically a Cardassian informant out of a combat out of a dangerous situation because this guy has a lot of intel could help Starfleet you know gain advantages on the Dominion you know he's got intel so they go on this mission they you know to find the guy and Dax ends up getting hurt on the mission and Worf decides that he's not going to leave her behind you know he tends to her uh, unfortunately, not leaving her behind ends up slowing him down so much that the informant gets found out and executed. And, yeah, and from there, basically, Cisco orders them that they are never to be on missions alone together again. Um, it, I'm surprised there weren't more situations where Flint and Lady J working together didn't cause some kind of a rift and hinder a mission that might have actually made for a good story. But yeah, no. Flint is just one of those guys that he's just very arrogant. He comes off as a dick. He's a very jealous individual. And even as a kid, before I kind of put all these thoughts together... There was just something that irked me about the guy. It's like, th- this he's a good guy, right? Like, he's hes the good guy. So we're supposed to like him, right? Yeah, no. For me, that never happened. I have never liked the guy. 
So yeah, there's that's Flint. And, um, so we've taken a look at the next couple of entries on our list. Uh, before we get to our number one entry, I think we need to take a quick break here, folks. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. The Western Division champion Houston Astros have a new game plan. It's called Astromania. Choose 12 or more games on one of three seating levels and get one or two games free. Select 36 or more games and even get an option to see a playoff and a World Series game. Call 799-9555 Monday through Friday and ask about Astromania. But hurry, free game offer ends March 31st. Astros Lightning, feel the charge. Got a secret treasure to keep safe? You can keep it in a keeper. Keepers, keepers, what's inside those keepers? Fancy the snail, Tango the ladybug, and Sheldon the turtle are keepers. Fun friends with a secret hiding place, each sold separately. And each keeper comes with its own finder, Twist, Nightlight, and Footloose. Keepers, keepers, keeps it safe inside. Fancy and Footloose, Tango and Twist, Sheldon and Nightlight, each sold separately with brush key and storybook from Tonka. How would you like a career instead of just a job? What if I told you that one of the largest training centers in the country is offering programs for people just like you? Programs that have been designed with just one single purpose, to get you trained and into the job market fast. Call the National Education Center today because this could be exactly what you've been looking for. For a brochure, call 1-800-722-7337. That's 1-800-722-7337. Call now. All right, and we are back. And we're continuing our journey through the top five G.I. Joes that I am not particularly a fan of. So before we get to our number one, let's just run down the list real quick. Coming in at number five was Lieutenant Falcon. At number four, we have General Hawk. Number three, we have Lifeline. Number two, we have Flint. Uh, So let's get right into it. Number one Joe that I cannot stand is Duke. Man, oh man, do I hate this guy. He is the most sterile, clean-cut, just pretty boy soldier out there. And this guy is an E9. He is a master sergeant. He is the highest ranked enlisted man. This guy should not be this clean cut and nice. He's very Boy Scout. He comes off like kind of like Captain America and Superman. Very clean cut. And I don't know. And it definitely comes off very a little naive at times, a little bit aloof. And I've just never liked this guy. Even from the beginning, just sort of like with Flint, this guy just irked me in ways that I couldn't understand as a kid. Never liked this guy as field commander. Boring. Boring is definitely a great word to describe Duke. Because I just don't know how, man. I don't know how people like this character. He's so... Boring. And even in... And then they tried to, like, kind of pair him off with Scarlet in the cartoon. Even though in the comic you've got the great uh, Scarlet and Snake Eyes 
situation. And it's like, really? You're going to give Duke the girl from the ninja that y'all don't want to do anything with because y'all don't know how to write a character that can't talk? Um, yeah. And that's another atrocity in and of itself. The just absolute gross non-use of snake eyes and the fact that they kind of took a lot of the things about snake eyes and you know the his relationship with scarlet they kind of just shoved that into duke and there's like eh, you know what you just take that then of course there was the whole gi joe the movie thing he's gone into a coma yeah, no, no. You watch that movie, he died. That snake spear went straight through his heart and he died. Like, you could tell. Like, those people would not be crying like that if that man just went into a coma and was knocked out. He clearly died on that battlefield. There were grown men crying. And, yeah, no, I was that kid that was like, yeah, come on, snake, win the snake. You know, I don't like a lot. And then you go into 90s cartoons, for me, it was like Cyclops. Wow, this guy's a douche. He's this weird, super clean-cut field commander. Yeah, I didn't like Cyclops either. Nah, when they did those live-action X-Men movies and X3 and Scott got killed by a phoenix, I may have screamed a little too loud in the movie theater. But I also wasn't the only one. So, and it's sort of those things, like, this guy got all the stuff, man. Like, he was handed, like, all the characterization on a silver platter and they really didn't do anything with it. I mean, I get the show's supposed to be like this nine, you know, this 30-minute toy commercial. But come on, do something with your leader. He was just so squeaky clean and also, what was up with him just being captured? Ever like anytime somebody needed to be captured, it was Duke. Like it was ridiculous how how like, this guy got captured more than Princess Peach, dude. Like, this was straight-up ridiculousness. So, you know, so many reasons that I just cannot stand Duke. He's a dumb character. So much wasted potential. Really just kind of blended into the background at points. You know, he's supposed to be the poster boy... And he sort of is like he's just that generic poster boy of a model soldier and like Captain America and just never did it for me, man. And this guy fills me with the most rage. Uh, but yeah, no, Duke, definitely the, the G.I. Joe character that I just dislike the least. Uh, and there you have it, folks. There is our countdown of the top five G.I. Joe characters that I just don't like. Uh, of course, follow us on social media, follow us and subscribe on all the major podcast provider platforms, 
and we'll see you next time.